You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week. We hope you all know what time it is. I don't know how many hours. I don't have the countdown rolling here, but it's uh, we're recording on Tuesday. The game's on Sunday at 630-something Eastern, and uh, I can't wait. It doesn't get old. Uh, I was talking with Alex here a few minutes ago before we started, and it just... I don't know. I mean, it, it feels the same as it did prior to the first San Francisco meeting. And there have been a few other appearances since, a win, a loss. Kind of waited my whole life for this, so I'm still pretty excited about it. Alex, uh, you know, here we are on Tuesday. You were thinking about bailing this week. What's going on, man? We all know who I'm picking. We all know who you're picking. Uh, the thing is, before the playoffs started... I actually picked the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Not not that it's a shocker, but I just I went against, you know, the the rest of the teams. Uh, the 49ers seem to be the favorites, I believe, to win the Super Bowl. So I picked them. I rolled with them. I put some money on them, Lou. I never do that, but I did do it this time and I, I just wanted to share it before uh you know the super bowl comes around on sunday so we'll see what the outcome is gonna be we'll see if you know i have some lady luck in me even though my my playoff record is really really bad as far as picking games but i'm ready for it i think it's gonna be an exciting game and you know they always say don't bet against the best player, right? And the best player here is Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of like the same thing. Like, you don't bet against Brady, and you don't bet against Mahomes as well. And I'm actually surprised that Kansas City uh, are the dogs here. I, I really am. Like, I don't think that the 49ers should be the favorites based on what I've seen in the playoffs. If we're going off of the regular season... That's one thing, right? The 49ers were probably the second best team behind the Baltimore Ravens. But the Baltimore Ravens spanked the 49ers during the regular season. We all know how the Kansas City Chiefs were able to just stifle the Baltimore last, you know, couple of weeks ago. And here we are. I believe that the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes should be the favorites because of their history, because he's won a couple of Super Bowls, because they've been here many times, and Andy Reid as well. So uh, that's my two cents right there. Yeah, it is a bit of a mystery, the the, the point spread in the game. And I think we talked about it last week, and it, and it, has, it has been floating a little bit. Uh, I think it opened as San Francisco's two-and-a-half-point favorite. It's moved down as low as minus one, uh, back up to one-and-a-half. Uh, back up to two and a half. I've seen some places have it at one and a half again. Uh, so I don't know that it's going to move much out of that range. Uh, I can't see it going any lower than pick them. Uh, and, and quite honestly, I, I'm with you there. I'm not really sure why. I think maybe there's a lot of public sentiment now uh, coming out against the Chiefs. You know, the, the Taylor Swift effect is in terms of economics and so forth is one thing. But I think it's really brought out a lot of ugliness, too, with with uh, certain parts of this of the uh, of society, especially in the United States, uh, with Taylor Swift uh, fatigue, hate. And it's kind of permeated to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have really done it to themselves, too. I mean, it's, you know, the Patriots went through this a lot. You know, Brady, the whole thing. Uh, how, uh, you know, being called arrogant and everything else. And I don't know that he ever really showed any of that. And now they're trying to make Patrick Mahomes out to be a villain. It's all great theater, uh, you know, in terms of who's going to claim the underdog role, but it's a state of mind. I mean, at this point, you know, the point spread is only for guys like us or if anybody that, you know, is, is betting on the game. Um, and in this case, it's so small, it's probably not really going to factor in. But for any little edge that these guys are looking for, uh, you talk about 
you know, some little slight. And if it's the point spread being against you for some reason, if that gets you more motivated to play, great. Um, so anyway, we'll talk more about the game. Uh, we wanted to hit uh, the last two uh, coaching hires. And then a uh, little surprise here for Alex, because I'm just thinking of it myself, but I had made a short list as I was watching uh, the senior bowl practices last week. And I'll just shout out some players. I, you know, I had some knowledge of a few of them beforehand, but uh, not really, uh, you know, paying much attention scouting wise throughout the year, but these are just some guys that, that flashed and maybe look for them in the draft. So, uh, okay. So we had um, Mike McDonald, the heralded uh, defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens and also uh, previously of the Michigan Wolverines. So he's got a real Harbaugh feel to him, but he's a young dude and he goes to Seattle. And to me, I mean, at first glance, I'm thinking this is, this is a young Pete Carroll. So they're kind of going in that same direction. Do you get that sense or what do you think? I believe so. I mean, that that's a hot name right there. Maybe this guy isn't quite ready yet, but obviously the Seahawks felt like he was the up-and-coming guy and they they needed to fill that head coaching job and they're not going to have it next year, right, when he probably would have been a hot name again if he wouldn't have gotten this cycle. But my question is, the Seahawks will probably improve defensively, but what is he going to do at quarterback? I think that's the question mark there. Seattle doesn't have Russ anymore. They've got Geno Smith. They've got Drew Locke. I think a lot of it is going to depend on who the quarterback is going to be and what Seattle is going to do there. Yeah, I mean, and it also obviously depends on who's available. Uh, they've got a fairly young defense, uh, fairly young on offense too, quite frankly, uh pretty set at the skill positions they do need some help on the defensive side i think he brought in leslie frazier as well you know to kind of balance him being 36 or however old he is and you know kind of the guy that's been around done that been a head coach defensive coordinator you know played on a super bowl team great defensive player himself so and i'm sure he'll surround himself with more guys like that too to just kind of balance out that coaching staff so they're not all like kids you want some experience there but in terms of the quarterback uh i mean you gotta i guess make a decision are you bringing in a young quarterback or do you feel like this group is ready to win now and you want to drop in maybe a veteran? Um, you know, the name that always comes up at, at very least is going to be in this cycle and to see if he's willing to leave, uh, to, to leave Minnesota, meaning uproot his family is Kirk cousins. Because again, I don't know that, uh, he's going to bring you to the Super Bowl, but he can certainly be that guy that grooms the younger guy. So whether it's the draft, a trade, or trade up in the draft, to take one of these young quarterbacks because it seems like there's there's a a good, I would say three for sure that I think are locks for the first round. I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with me, Alex and uh, Caleb Williams. Drake May, Jaden Daniels. And then, you know, perhaps, you know, I don't know how, you know, what the feeling is on, on Bo Nix. Personally, I've never liked him as a player. Had a great, great uh, career revival in, in Oregon. I didn't think he was that great at Auburn. Uh, but he's, you know, sometimes there's late bloomers. He's a little bit older prospect because he's been in college, it seems like, for eight years. But uh, nevertheless, you know, you have him. Uh, Michael Penix also played in the Pacific Northwest at Washington, but there's an injury history. So a lot of decisions to be made there. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the same for just about every one of these teams or these new coaches is that's the first position that you, you look at and needs to be addressed. The only one that doesn't have that is Harbaugh. And that was, and that's why the Chargers job was the most sought after, because you've got the studded quarterback. You don't need to worry about that. It's the rest of the team, salary cap and other things. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. In Seattle, you definitely have to uh, answer that question. Which way do you go? John Schneider, you know, he gets paid the big bucks. This is and he's done really well in the draft. Just haven't had the opportunity uh, to draft a quarterback lately. 
So uh, let's see what he does. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a great hire. I've been talking about Mike McDonald most of the year and uh, he had the best defense in the league uh, and I did a great job at Michigan. He's going back and forth between Harbaugh's. So, you know, he's, he's kind of has can draw from two NFL coaches experience and being around them for the last few years. Uh, I think it was a good move. It was a great move. It was a great move. I think you get a hot up and coming coordinator on the defensive side of the ball. But I always thought that it would be tough to follow in the footsteps of a legend. And I mean, Pete Carroll didn't have a lot of success the last couple of years, but he did bring Seattle its first Super Bowl. He did, you know, go to back to back Super Bowls there. He had a lot of success in the NFC West. And I always feel like the first guy that's following in those footsteps is always tough to, a lot more is expected from the city, from the fan base, from the front office, from the players. And I always prefer to go to a team that had a losing record the last three or four seasons. You know that they're going to be a little more patient. If you're going to show some you know, progress, and if you're going to improve every year, they're going to look at you like a savior out there. That's not the case a, in Seattle. A, a la D'Amico Ryans, right? Yeah, about that, because you, you're giving yeah. a longer leash. But in Seattle, yeah. you never know. I mean, say like yeah. McDonald goes like 5-12 and 12 next season. Does he get fired? Might be, because, I mean, Seattle is... Um, I don't think they're looking for like a quick rebuild. I think they're looking for something like a quick turnaround out there. They're not looking like for a long rebuild out there. So that's what I'm thinking. Like if you go to a team that where the expectations are a lot lower because the team has been bad for the last four or five years, it's a lot easier to kind of, you know, get your system in there, you know, adapt your adapt your own culture, and then you'll be able to to build something. You know, in places like New England, in places like Seattle, you're expected to win. Like, nobody wants you to to, to win four or five games out there. Nobody's going to understand it. Nobody's going to support you, Lou. So I, I think that's probably the, the toughest part in, in all of this. McDonald following in the footsteps of Pete Carroll. Yeah, and it's a strange situation out there with ownership because I think in Paul Allen's will, and the team has to be sold by a certain time. I don't, I don't know the complete details, but that's the other part of this: is when do they actually sell the team? And you know, you might run into a situation not quite like Washington because it was just kind of really deteriorating i mean just the, you had that you know the whole dan snyder effect and so on but i guess the point is is that you know he's coming in as a new coach but you know it, there may be new ownership in a couple of years or next year you know whatever whatever it calls for the team to be sold so uh there's that to look forward to too but he's i mean he's got a good nucleus team so from that perspective i think he's he is in a good position it's just you got to get the quarterback right and Hell, I mean, last year, Houston was one of the worst teams in football. They got the quarterback right in the draft. They got the coach right. And here they are. They were in, you know, they made it, uh, you know, they won a playoff game. They got into the playoffs, won a playoff game. Was in the, we're in the final eight of the NFL after last year, just in the last few years, kind of being the laughing stock of the league. So uh, good luck, Mike McDonald. And, uh, you know, what, however they choose to go at quarterback, the NFC West is no joke. I mean, the Rams are still going to be good. Obviously, you've got the Niners. Uh, Arizona, you think, is going to be improved. Uh, so good luck, man. All right. The final one was the Commanders and Dan Quinn. And obviously his name was out there. He had interviewed with them a couple of times, but it seemed like the conventional wisdom was that they were waiting on Ben Johnson. And that kind of, that was just kind of a weird situation that just kind of melted down. They were, uh, I guess, scheduled to do face-to-face -face interviews and uh, the team was flying to Detroit, but they were going to interview Aaron Glenn the final time as well. And I guess, and again, I don't have all the details, but from what I'm reading and hearing that they were in the air 
meaning the contingent from from D.C., coming to Detroit when he kind of, through his agent, decided that he was pulling out. So I don't know if that was during the negotiation phase, like, hey, if we, you know, I, I don't think they were negotiating. I don't think he was obviously never agreed to terms, but just he pulled out and I was like, wait, what? I mean, they, it wasn't similar last year, but it was kind of with Carolina and you could understand it a little bit, you know, in dealing with, with Tepper and some of the things you hear about him, but this was kind of weird. So how are you, if you're Dan Quinn walking in there now, obviously there's other candidates, obviously, you know, it seems like he was not their first choice, may not have even been their second choice. So here we go, Dan, second chance. Did he learn from his stint in Atlanta? Did he, he's made some changes, made some changes to his defense and did very well with Dallas up until the playoffs. So here we go. Dan Quinn, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Washington has the number two overall pick. They're going to go quarterback. No questions asked. They're going to draft one. Uh, now they've got Cliff Kingsbury in there as the offensive coordinator. Are they going to make like a humongous trade up to the number one overall pick to get the Caleb Williams, the, the kid from USC? Because, I mean, Cliff was his offensive coordinator. People are making those assumptions. I don't think the Bears are going to do that deal. I think they'll take Caleb Williams. And then Washington is going to be left with either Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Uh, that's my two cents there. I also feel like, Lou, in the media, they always make it sound like there's a favorite for the job. But until right. you, you talk to this person, until you sit down with them, like in person, not the Zoom interview, okay? In person, you get a feel for for them for this person, the GM, you know that front office, the collaboration, the owners. You have to be on the same page. I believe that Ben Johnson probably didn't ace the interview. That's it. I don't think Washington was ready to hand him the job. And, and there were some rumors like Ben Johnson wants fifty million a season. Are you kidding me? I mean, for an offensive coordinator, there's never coached before. How can he dictate how much he's going to make? I mean, obviously there's a negotiation type of thing, but how can you make something in in the range of you know some coaches that have done well in this league? Like you, you can't be you. You got to bring your um, you know your appetite a little bit down and. I just, I don't believe that. I don't think it was a salary thing. I don't think it was a money thing. So I believe that they just didn't hit it off. That, that's what I believe. Like Ben Johnson, they thought that he was going to blow them away and he probably didn't. And then they just came back to Dan Quinn. So I don't know about that whole story about them flying in and him saying no, like midair. I mean, I think people are just like making up stories as they go. I think Dan Quinn is a solid choice. I think, you know, he, he did lead the, the Falcons to the Super Bowl, and they should have won in that game if it wasn't for Kyle Shanahan, by the way. So I, I just feel like, you know, Dan Quinn deserves a second chance based on what he's done. He's re, rehabilitated himself. He's had a great defense every year that he's been at Dallas, you know, the last three seasons. Washington isn't a bad place to go to. All you have to do is kind of rebuild that defense, and you're going to have that number two overall pick, which is going to be a quarterback. You've got some weapons at receiver. Hey, I mean, this could be like a quick job out there because he can do a quick fix on defense. We saw it with Dallas. He did it like almost with the same players, basically, and he drafted Micah Parsons. So if he gets one playmaker... You know, somewhere on day two, maybe in the second or third round for his defense, I think Washington could have something here because I don't mind them going with a defensive coach here. And they've got Cliff Kingsbury now as the offensive coordinator. The guy presents matchup problems. Cliff is not a bad offensive coordinator. I don't think he's a good head coach, but I think he's a good offensive coordinator. And I think it's going to be fun to to see them mesh there in Washington. I think there might be something brewing there in D.C. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the personality part of it, I think, is huge because 
you're going to lead the entire team, right? I mean, you, you are going to set the tone and you're not necessarily coaching one side of the ball or the other. You are, you're in charge of the, in the entire crew. You need to kind of like command the room, so to speak. And that's why I agree with you, Alex, as far as the, the in-person interviews, I think that pretty much will cement it for the decision makers. And, you know, Ben Johnson, I, I don't, I mean, I don't really know him. I don't see him, but it, he doesn't strike me as somebody that has a big personality, just more, you know, kind of a, kind of a brainy guy, uh, kind of quiet, you know, more of a, more of a Mike McDaniel type and Mike McDaniel, a little bit quirky uh, in terms of his personality, but Again, he had to really, I guess, wor work for it, have a lot of endorsements for him to get his shot. And now he's make, making the best of it. So maybe you see the same thing with Ben Johnson eventually. And maybe he just needed another shot or, you know, Detroit came across with even more money. And he's like, maybe even personally saying to himself, I'm really not ready for this. They don't have, a, you know, they don't have the quarterback situated. Uh, I don't know, you know, if you bring in a rookie, is it going to work right away? I, who knows? Many questions, more questions than answers as far as Ben Johnson's concerned. But in terms of Dan Quinn, yeah, I think he's he's in a division right now where you don't know what the hell's happening with the Eagles with that with that, how they finished the year, what the Cowboys did in the playoffs. The Giants are an even bigger question mark than the other two. So, hey, why not the Commanders? If they get that, if they can get that quarterback right, whether it's bringing in, you know, bring, bring, bringing Kirk Cousins back to the fold, and there's that name again, and and then still drafting one of those rookies, do you do that? I mean, is it kind of like Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes? Maybe, but you know, Alex had already been there, so there's a little bit of a difference, but. It, you know, there's a lot of different ways they can go. And typically, if you take that quarterback, you know, at whatever in the, in the top three, he's going to play right away. So, again, a lot of decisions to be made. But I agree with you that, again, skill positions on offense, I think, are very good with with McLaurin and Dotson. Uh, you know, you've got you've got uh, Brian Robinson at, at running back and they're probably uh, – the other running back, Antonio Gibson's probably going to lose him in, in free agency, but they've got some good skilled players. I, they, they could have a shot here. We'll see. I mean, I think again, Dan Quinn was probably a good choice here and uh, getting a second shot, appreciated a little bit more and learn from his mistakes. Like you said, they got to the Super Bowl, and uh, yeah, they were any one play that could have been made in the second half could have just turned that game or, or not turned the game, but just kind of kept it in their favor. But, uh, Hey, they didn't make the plays when they needed to. And that's why they play the games, man. All right. Let's get to the big one, Alex. Let's go. San Francisco, Kansas city. When the Niners have the ball, what should we look for? We have to dominate the line of scrimmage. On offense, hello? We have to be able to run the ball and commit to it. And that's what Kyle Shanahan has got to do. Keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. That's it. You've got Christian McCaffrey. You've got Devo Samuel, who's going to be healthier than he was in the conference championship game. Feature the running game. Just pound the ball. Your dad won a couple of Super Bowls when he committed to the run. Even though he had, who did he have? He had John Elway, okay? And they still pounded the ball with Terrell Davis, and that's the reason why they won those back-to-back -back Super Bowls. So I don't need Brock Purdy throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game. I don't think they want to either. We're not going to see that. What I mean is it has to be just old-fashioned football. Run it down the Chiefs' throats. You can run on them, okay? I believe that's the only way that San Francisco can win this game. It's not about... Matching up against that secondary, it's not about, you know, Brock Purdy being in third and long situations against Steve Spagnola's defense. That's it. Old-fashioned football. Run the ball. If we do that successfully, we'll win on Sunday. Well, that's the basis of, you know, Shanahan's system is that outside zone. 
and like you said, being committed to it, but you know, they do sprinkle in the play action pass. And I guess, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be, you know, sexy and complex to me, the key for the, for the chiefs on defense is going to be really tackling because one, the Niners are going to want to run the ball Two. Typically, they're big plays. Usually, they're huge plays. It's either yards after contact, yards after the catch. So, yak, got to limit that. Over the last, I would say, year and a half or so, the the Chiefs have become a really good tackling team. You don't see a, a ton of big plays on them. Yes, you can probably run it on them. They've never really been built to be a big run-stuffing team. Uh, just because of, hey, we've got Patrick, we're probably going to be playing f- from the lead, so we got, you know, pass rushers. Put on top of that is Spagnuolo's scheme and kind of his blitz packages, and that's that's a whole other story. We, we can get into that. We have no idea where, where these guys are coming from, when they're coming, but they've got a bunch of chess pieces that they can use. So if and if they are going to try, they are going to try to make them one dimensional. Right. They're going to try to force Purdy to beat them. And if it gets into a passing game, they're going to want to pressure him. They're going to want to, you know, take advantage of the uh, the interior of that offensive line. That's 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 been kind of susceptible to the pass rush. So whether that's Chris Jones or, you know, as they move the move, their uh, pass rushers in and out of the inside and outside Carlaftis. Uh, obviously Omena who's out, he won't be playing in this game. So they're going to be a rotation of Mike Dana, uh, the, the rookie from Kansas state, the Kansas city boy that seems like he hasn't played in weeks. FAU Felix and Aduke Uzama. Does he come in and make a play? I don't know, but the bottom line is they want to try to make him one dimensional, kind of what they they've been doing during the course of these playoffs. Now, Buffalo had some success running the ball and I, I would imagine that's what San Francisco will be looking at but then as the game wore on and it was close they kind of left it to Josh Allen to make the plays and they were able to kind of stem the tide and they obviously Bass misses the field goal but in terms again of this game they want to try to make San Francisco one to make Brock Purdy beat them with his arm and hopefully you know get a few turnovers but tackling i mean again it doesn't sound sexy and it sounds pretty simple but if they tackle well they're gonna have a real good chance of winning the game it's not easy to tackle christian mccaffrey or, Debo or any Samuel. of them debo or iuk or Kittle. yeah i mean yeah, these guys that's, that's okay my, these that's guys my point. <laughs> these guys aren't huge but they're very hard to tackle I mean, McCaffrey just bounces off people a lot of the times. Debo, I I don't know, man. That guy is built like a tank, all right? He's one of one. Even though he's 5'11", but, I mean, he's built like a tank. So I I think those two guys, you wouldn't want to, you know, tackle them on a regular basis out there. But I think the 49ers cannot abandon the run the way the Ravens abandoned the run. I don't think it's going to happen because Kyle Shanahan is a little bit smarter than that. And I think we've seen the 49ers commit to the run, even in the fourth quarter against the Packers. Or, you know, last week, as well, like in the championship game as well. They continue to go to the well. And it makes me think that they'll, they'll pound the ball. Okay, I just I don't care. I mean, they can pound the ball 50 times for all I care. This is the chance for Christian McCaffrey to get that Super Bowl MVP out there. Give him the ball, you know, that throw him those, you know, screen passes, get him out in the open field. I just I'm all for that. The the less Brock Purdy throws on Sunday, the the better I'm going to feel. Okay, and even if we lose the game. I know that we did everything right. I mean, that's that, that's the point that I'm trying to... And plus, you can keep Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey in that offense on the sideline, keep him in there and, and not get him on the field. That, that also is going to go, you know, really well. You want to keep him cold and you want to keep it short. You want to control the, the time of possession. I think the 49ers are going to do it. Something that the Chiefs haven't seen from, from the other teams in the past couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I think, like I, I keep saying, bu- Buffalo is probably the closest to that. I think the Chiefs had 22 minutes of uh, possession in that game, and they scored 27 points. So really, efficiency is going to be the big term for them offensively because they probably will uh, be trailing in time of possession in this game as well. So when they do have the ball – you're going to see, I think you're going to see a lot of Pacheco. You're going to see, you know, some of those outside crack runs where, you know, Aaron Jones was making hay. David Montgomery was making hay. Jameer Gibbs to some some point uh, to not the, as great extent as Montgomery, but he did have, you know, a couple of big plays. And it just seems like those ends are so intent on rushing the passer that when the wide receivers come back and like kind of the old crack back, which is, you know, <laughs> is illegal. You gotta, you gotta stay within the rules, but kind of, you know, they're, they're coming, they're coming up field and the wide receiver on the, on those outside kind of a toss zone play, the receivers come back to block the ends. And that's where these guys were making a lot of yards. So may, that might be one thing to look for because if, you know, those other guys are able to exploit it, you know, maybe the Chiefs will be able to as well. Pacheco has been getting the ball more and more as they've recognized uh, kind of this is the identity of this particular team. They're not going to make a lot of huge explosives downfield. So going to run the ball a little bit more. You're going to see, you know, Kelsey being Kelsey again in terms of what they want to do with him is a lot of motions get him off the line of scrimmage to get some free releases. San Francisco is going to want to like beat him up inside of five yards because that's really the only way you're going to be able to stop him. And then the pass rush. But again, when the chiefs have, have the ball it's going to be an efficient passing game. They're going to get it out of Patrick's hands quickly, especially at the beginning of the game. And then maybe a little bit later, take some shots downfield once they've established the run and the short passing game. But uh, again, the big word there is, you know, if it was tackling on defense on offense, the chiefs efficiency, because no turnovers in the playoffs, I think now, again, if you pay attention to PFF or you agree with PFF, I don't know, but according to PFF, he even has zero turnover worthy plays so he hasn't really put the ball in harm's way the entire playoff so that's i'm going to say their offensive plan or at least what they want to accomplish is being efficient right and take the shots later in the game once that pass rush is a little bit more fatigued so that that's kind of what i'm looking for i don't know if they're going to score a ton of points they haven't had to because of the defense, but I th- again, efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Well, defensively for the Niners, number one, contain Kelsey. I'm sick and tired of watching Kelsey uh, dominate every other defense. I was so mad at the Ravens for just letting him have a field day out there. They had a game plan, but I just I think the 49ers can't afford for Travis Kelsey to catch every ball that's thrown his way and just hoping that maybe he drops one or two like he did, you know, against the Ravens. Contain Kelsey. You're not going to stop him, but just bump him at the line of scrimmage. Delay his release a little bit. Patrick Mahomes is still going to be looking for him. All right, he's going to be his first, second, third option in the Super Bowl, especially with uh, Miss Swift watching. Okay. Oh, okay. shots fired, Alex. I'm just, I'm just saying. He promised her that he's gonna <laughs> win that Super Bowl ring for her because he wasn't there at the Grammys. She did pull in two Grammy wins, so she's there. She's gonna be on every camera out there. They're gonna get a shot of her every time. Contain Kelsey, number one. Two, we have to get home uh, on Mahomes with the the four defensive linemen. Okay. I think we have the pieces there. We have the defensive line that can get to Mahomes. And, and especially, I mean, maybe not get sacks, but get pressure. Get him rattled a bit. Like, get him out of the pocket. Get him out of the comfort zone. We've got the guys to do it. I believe we can dominate there with the front four. We don't need to blitz. 
I am confident, especially in those edge rushers against your tackles out there. I really am. The offensive line for the Chiefs has played very well in the playoffs, but I do have the confidence that the 49ers could get home with that front four. If they do, I'll feel good about our chances. I'm just I'm saying. I know they're going to mix it up. I know they're going to send some blitzers at times and stuff like that, but we have to get home with that front four. We have to cause the pressure on Patrick Mahomes. think we can do it. So I think those are the two keys. Contain Travis Kelsey and get pressure on Mahomes with just front four. So why do you think, because I I don't have an answer here or know that it's going to be a continuing trend, but why do you think Detroit and Green Bay had such success running the ball against them? I, I mean... The, the 49ers, I believe, like in the regular season, they were pretty good. Like, Real I good, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they were really good. I just, I have no idea. I mean, against the Lions, you could kind of tell that they were going to run the football, that they would milk the clock, that they would try to keep the 49ers offense from being on the field. It's just, and the Lions offensive line is very good, by the way. I mean, it doesn't get enough credit that they've kept Goff upright and they've been able to run the football the entire season. Uh, it's just, I, I guess I would say it's it's the defensive tackles for us, to be honest with you. I think that's been a little bit of a weak link. It's not, you know, I don't think it's Bosa. It's not Chase Young. It's being able to run up the middle. And I think they had success, you know, with Montgomery. And then they had success with Aaron Jones for us. I just, we have good linebackers. But, I mean, if you could still pick up three or four yards... Like, each play, you're controlling it. I mean, you're controlling the line of scrimmage. And I thought, especially the Lions, because I thought the 49ers made a good adjustment against the Packers in the first game and the second half. But against the Lions, they had success in the first half. I mean, they were just, I I thought it was going to continue. And then, obviously, you know, some things shifted. You know, our offense got it going. I believe it's it's our, you know, it's our D-tackles. I think that's... That's the vulnerable position for us based on what I've seen and based on, you know, what I was able to to pick up. And again, we have to get back to how we played in the regular season, but we haven't played like that, Lou. I mean, the biggest question mark for me is the Chiefs have been so consistent against very good teams on the road. They beat the best offense against, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins. They hand, uh, you know, they went on the road against Buffalo and they you know, able to beat Josh Allen. And then they just took care of the Ravens, who are no slouch with Lamar Jackson and the best rushing offense out there. I just, they've played consistent football. I'm talking about Kansas City. San Francisco has not. They haven't put uh, a consistent four quarters together against any team in the playoffs. They had a good first half. Again, they had a good second half against the Packers. They had a good second half against Detroit. What about the first half? You can't afford that against Kansas City. I think that's the biggest thing. Like the 49ers just don't look like a team that has figured it out. I mean, is this two-week window going to help them figure some things out? I'm hoping. But, you know, Andy Reid and the Chiefs, they also have two weeks to prepare. Steve Spagnola has two weeks to prepare for Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's also going to work well for them. And we know how much success Spagnola has had against, you know, the Patriots in the past when he was a defensive coordinator of the Giants. And he's done a really good job with, in Kansas City as well. I, I think our biggest problem is we haven't been consistent. And against the Chiefs, we're going to have to put together a complete game in order to have a shot. Yeah, I, you know, it's just, you just got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of great players on, on the field, some, some all timers too. And maybe, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we'll look back and say, oh my God, you had all these Hall of Famers out there. I think it's just going to, just going to be a, a great game. Uh, you know, it was kind of, you know, at the beginning of the season, to me, it was kind of a chalk pick uh san francisco and kansas city but i really didn't see it turning out any other way now what what, i can't tell you that this was the way that i envisioned it uh i thought that the chiefs would would, their offense would be carrying them again uh if you'd have told me then the defense is going to have to carry this team i'd be like oh man i don't know these guys still young 
did a great job during the playoffs last year and the guys grew up, but it really seems like that whole defense is so connected. And like I said, just the simple things, not giving up big plays, their tackling is on point and, and it's everybody. And that's, I just feel like this defense is so connected right now. And the offense where you thought that was where you were going to hang your hat that they've been kind of like discombobulated a little bit more consistent, you know, through the playoffs, um, still a little bit up and down, not, you know, like you say, not a, a, a total, you know, four quarter game, you know, obviously against the, the, the Ravens, they changed up their defense a little bit in the second half. Chiefs didn't score a point. Uh, Buffalo, they did what they needed to do. Uh, they kind of took Miami out of what they wanted. And that was it to me that the, the common theme is that whether it's Spags, the scheme or these guys, the combination of the two, they, they've taken each team out of what they were, their comfort zone was and what they wanted to do offensively. And I don't know that they're going to be able to do that in this game. If they can, then they've got a great chance to, to win the game. I mean, it's, uh, and there's like the new, like the t-shirts say in, in spags, we trust. <laughs> I don't know what, how he comes up with this stuff, but he's got the right chess pieces and, and, and they do have a lot of chess pieces on this defense, like Sneed, uh, hell, this, the rookie Shamari Connor, Drew Tranquil's just been amazing. That that's low key, arguably the best free agent signing this year. I mean, and I, I'm I might even go as far as league wide. Now there might be some other guys that have put up bigger bigger numbers, but when Nick Bolton went down and he took over the Green Dot, you know, his first year in the offense, his first like six or eight weeks in the defense. And just they didn't skip a beat. And when he has the opportunity to to play with Nick Bull, now you've got like two like almost I don't know like geniuses, you know, as far as communication and putting guys in the right place. It, it, he's been you know tremendous. So I, I, this is a a really cool thing to see, especially with you know a lot of these younger players on defense. It's just been such a flip of the script that uh, it's exciting to watch and you know. I think it's just going to be a, a classic game. And it's time for Brock Purdy to show everybody that he's not a game manager, that he can make some of those throws on the biggest stage and on third downs and, and get those big plays out there. Because we all know that in a perfect world, we want to run the football, right? The, the Niners do. But Spagnola is going to put it on Purdy to win the game, to get and complete some of those passes and in the intermediate range or the the deep balls out there. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. He's going to have to make a few of those key throws because we know Mahomes is going to make them. The question is, can Purdy do it on the biggest stage? He has done it. He's proven his doubters wrong. But again, he hasn't like put together, it hasn't been consistent in the playoffs. Uh, can he do it in the Super Bowl? I mean, that's that's the major question mark. We'll find out on Sunday. Well, I mean, a true, you know, professional or quarterback you can hang your hat on, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, figures it out. And he was able to do that in the last two games. So I think, you know, game manager just takes on such a negative feel. And it's almost like you're saying that, you know, the guy can't play. Not you particularly, Alex. I mean, just in general, when people throw out that term. Uh, game manager I don't know I mean every good quarterback that, that's ever been has to be a good game manager and then you have the ability on a handful of plays during the course of a game in critical situations to make a play and he has shown the ability to do that now again is he a great like an all-time great I don't know. I mean, he's how many games has he started in his career? Is he like in like 25, 30 starts in, in his career? He's a kid, right? So let, let's give let's give him a little bit more rope, you know? I mean, you, you got to keep proving it. And like you said, he hasn't been perfect, but when they needed him to be, he made, he made the plays, finished those games, and they won. So uh, I don't know. I think just the term game manager, I mean, just the way people use it, I think is not the way it was intended. Uh, 
Brady, Montana, all these guys. Hell, Patrick, his last few games, you know, in, in the playoffs has pretty much just managed the game. Couple big plays, but nothing crazy. And, you know, he's throwing for 200, some 250 yards, 225 yards, and they're winning, and that's all that matters. So if you if if that's your biggest problem on your team is that they call your quarterback a game manager and you're winning, so be it. We'll take it. We'll, we'll see you in the Super Bowl. Right? So anyway. Uh, all right. Give us a score, Alex. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I, I really do. I'm going to say 2017 Niners. All right. Uh, well, you know what side I'm going on. I'll, I'll say maybe a little bit more scoring. Not a ton, though. I'll say uh, Chiefs 27, Niners 21. Um, and, you know, defense is going mean, to – there's going to be a defensive play in there. I don't know if it's going to be a defensive score, but I think there's going to be a huge defensive play made by somebody like a – uh, Legereus Need or Trent McDuffie or Shamari Connor on a on a on an interception that kind of flips the field and turns the game. Uh, they may score, they may not, but they'll put their team in a good position to get it done, and that's kind of the way I, I see it happening. Um, oh man, I forgot my Senior Bowl guys. All right, Alex, I'm going to throw some names out. If you have anything on them, go ahead. Otherwise. Again, I don't have any leaning. These guys are going to be first-round picks, anything like that. These are just some guys that flash to me. Uh, defensive lineman from from Baylor, Gabe Hall. I don't know how good he is. I don't know how great a season he had, but he really flashed for me. Uh, a, a running back from Marshall, Raheem Ali. Uh, again, a lot of good running backs out there. The kid from Missouri, I mean, he just – that kid's going to be a player in the NFL for sure. Schrader uh, came from a small school, transferred to uh, Missouri. And like, I don't know if he led the nation or whatever, but just really good player there. Uh, defensive tackle. Florida State, Braden Fisk. Now, I know he had been heralded before, but he just was like unblockable the entire week. And even in the game, uh, he flipped teams because they were down. Uh, a lot of guys practiced during the week. A, a good handful of them didn't or chose not to play in the game. So uh, anyway, at the last minute game day, he went from one team to the other and still dominated. Uh, some wide receivers I really liked. Roman Wilson. I mean, last year I was looking at like Jameer Gibbs is the guy that I wanted the Chiefs. To, I want the Chiefs to get Roman Wilson somehow. He looks like he would be perfect in that offense, you know, on the other side of Rasheed Rice. Brendan Rice, you know, big dude, Jerry's kid, uh, catches everything. So, I mean, he looked like a really good route runner as well. Uh, a couple other receivers, Javon Baker was a Bama transfer to UCF. Looks look pretty good. Jimmy Pearsall, uh, University of Florida, was at Arizona State. Uh, Johnny Wilson, who looks, you know, again, another transfer from Arizona. How is Arizona State with Johnny Wilson, Jimmy Pearsall, Jaden Daniels all on the same team? Somehow they, they weren't winning a, bu a bunch of games. But Wilson looks like he could be like a like a Travis Kelsey type because he's like six, seven. Like 240 pounds. I don't know if, if, if they're going to leave him at wide receiver in the NFL, but I think he would just be like perfect as that wide tight end or like the move tight end. I think he would be great at that. Uh, offensive lineman Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma looked like he, he can be a really good player. Uh, Darius Robinson, whether it's inside, outside, uh, tackle, DN for Missouri, looked like he he's kind of a Chris Jones type, really liked him. And then there was a corner from Toledo, Quinion Mitchell, that I think kind of stole the entire week. He was like the best player on the field. Uh, he, I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick, but, man, he was he really flashed. I, I really liked him a lot. Well, you, like, mentioned half of the team, low at, at the well, Senior Bowl. Well, there's, I don't know, 80 guys there. I mentioned, I don't know, 76. <laughs> but I, I've got nothing else to say, I guess. The the one thing that I will say is, I guess, I expected a little bit more out of the quarterbacks. And even though, like, you know, Spencer Rattler flashed and 
you know, he had like, I think one or two good practices out there. I still think that he's going to be like a day three guy, but I guess I expected a little bit more out of Bo Nix. Some people praised him. And I think I, I saw some guys like on Twitter uh, raving about him, but I just thought based on what I saw, I wish he was a little bit more consistent. I don't think he, he could push the ball down the field. And I think that's, that's what the scouts were looking for, I think, out of him. They wanted Nix to see is like, a he's particular more a... player, right? I mean, you either really like him or you don't. I don't. I don't know if there's like a middle ground with him, right? I mean, he just said it, 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 I don't. He gives me kind of a Baker Mayfield vibe, except without you know without the Heisman, and, you know, all the winning. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he definitely resurrected his career at you know at Oregon and. Uh, uh, it's not the same guy that we saw at Auburn, so I guess you got to give him credit for that. Yeah, pa- yeah. Panix is just going to have to answer a lot of medical questions at the scouting combine because he had injuries like in D- Indiana every season. He didn't have those injuries in Washington, but I thought at Indiana, you know, I just like, you know, he, he definitely never finished the season during his four years there. So I, I think... A lot of people are pushing for Michael Penix Jr. in the first round. I just think the medicals is is going to be a huge thing to overcome. And this isn't like, you know, uh, it's almost like Hooker, you know, Hendon Hooker, right? He, he didn't go. A lot of people were pushing for him to go a little bit earlier. And where did he go? He went in the third round, right, to to the Lions. So, so I would just say that, that that's probably something that, to keep an eye on. And I think J.J. McCarthy is probably going to be that fourth quarterback that gets drafted somewhere in the 20s because there are a lot of teams that are going to be looking for a quarterback out there. And I think we've mentioned a few of them. I think the Raiders, but I think that might be a little too high. And then, obviously, you know, there's a there's a few other teams that I think are going to be looking for a quarterback. So J.J. McCarthy might be that guy there. Atlanta. You know, I mean, there's a, a few teams in the in the top ten that that certainly is going to have an interest. Uh, I know you got to take it with a grain of salt, but uh, Har- Harbaugh predicted that JJ would be the fir- after the uh, like the whole process goes through in the, the combine and pro days and everything else. He predicted that JJ McCarthy would be the first quarterback taken in the draft. But again, that's Jim Harbaugh for you, man. He's always coming out of left field with stuff. But that's his guy, so come on. Didn't let him throw it a lot in college, but he's going to be the first pick in the draft. I thought that was funny. So, All right, Alex, that's going to do it for us this week. It is Super Bowl week, folks. Enjoy it. Uh, the season, again, went by in a flash, it seems like. And here we are talking about Senior Bowl you know, the combine coming up real soon, but uh, we, there is one more uh, little thing to settle here on Sunday. Alex, best of luck to you and the Niners. Uh, the Chiefs, again, becoming, I don't want to say their most hated team, but they were kind of beloved when they were kind of like a novelty. But now that they're hanging around a little bit longer than I think a lot of people would like, it's like, nah, that's enough of them. Get out of here. So maybe that's maybe that's the whole villain thing with them with Mahomes so uh yeah that's all I got good luck to you as well Lou all right Alex till next time for Alex I'm Lou Peace.